Themes Undone I found that the theme most strongly suggested by this novel, and by critics since, is contradicted or in other ways undermined in this last section of it. Let me give you some examples. In many ways, this comes off as a cautionary tale about hubris, about unfettered ambition, about the scientist playing God. Culturally, I think this is the way it stands in the minds of anyone who knows enough about the novel to know that it isn't about a green, bolt-necked, zombie-like creature, and that his name isn't Frankenstein. This is also the theme suggested by the subtitle, A Modern-Day Prometheus, which I take to mean that Frankenstein stole what should have been reserved to the gods and was punished for it. But is that the theme? Many moments in this last chapter suggest it isn't, or at the very least, not consistently. If it was, we would expect Walton to both see Frankenstein's sins and to heed his warnings. And indeed, we would expect Frankenstein to be penitent and consistent in his warning to the end. But that doesn't happen. Instead, Walton reveres Frankenstein— as he concludes Frankenstein's tale, Walton describes himself as lost in reverence, calls Frankenstein noble, glorious, and godlike, and mourns the loss of such an admirable being. And he still longs to know the particulars of the creature's formation. On his deathbed, Frankenstein says, quote, During these last days, I have been occupied in examining my past conduct nor do I find it blamable, unquote. After pages upon pages of vitriolic speeches and self-loathing lamentations, now he's not to blame? This schizophrenic change of heart is made at all plausible only by what he says next, quote, In a fit of enthusiastic madness, I created a rational creature, and was bound towards him to assure, as far as was in my power, his happiness and well-being. This was my duty, but there was another still paramount to that. My duties towards the beings of my own species had greater claims to my attention, because they included a greater proportion of happiness or misery." Unquote. So, I guess he's saying that he only isn't blamable for having failed to make the monster a mate. But what about everything before that? If you have felt unsure what you are supposed to think about Frankenstein, take heart. I'm not sure Shelley does either. And if this is a warning about overweening ambition, then how do we integrate that with his rousing speech to the sailors? In my mind, some of the best and most compelling poetry in the novel. Quote, what do you mean? What do you demand of your captain? Are you then so easily turned from your design? Did you not call this a glorious expedition? And wherefore was it glorious? Not because the way was smooth and placid as a southern sea, but because it was full of dangers and terror because at every new incident your fortitude was to be called forth and your courage exhibited, because danger and death surrounded it. And these you were to brave and overcome. For this was it a glorious, for this was it an honorable undertaking. 
You were hereafter to be hailed as the benefactors of your species, your names adored as belonging to brave men who encountered death for honor and the benefit of mankind. And now, behold, with the first imagination of danger, or if you will, the first mighty and terrific trial of your courage, you shrink away and are content to be handed down as men who had not strength enough to endure cold and peril. And so, poor souls, they were chilly and returned to their warm firesides. Why, that requires not this preparation. Ye need not to have come thus far and dragged your captain to the shame of a defeat merely to prove yourselves cowards. Oh, be men, or be more than men. Be steady to your purposes and firm as a rock. This ice is not made of such stuff as your hearts may be. It is mutable, and cannot withstand you if you say that it shall not. Do not return to your families with the stigma of disgrace marked on your brows. Return as heroes who have fought and conquered and who know not what it is to turn their backs on the foe. Unquote. Could there be a more stirring incitement to ambition? But only a few paragraphs later, Frankenstein is saying to Walton, quote, Farewell, Walton. Seek happiness and tranquility, and avoid ambition, even if it be only the apparently innocent one of distinguishing yourself in science and discoveries. Unquote. I don't think these elements can be reconciled, and ultimately, I think it's because they aren't really the point. They are a bit of moralizing forced upon a thriller. I have mentioned that what stands out to me as the most stirring section of this whole novel is the monster's story. I don't think this either is a consistent theme, but I think the most powerfully rendered one is not the danger of hubris or playing God, but the one suggested by Percy Shelley in the review that I quoted earlier in our discussion. He wrote, quote, Treat a person ill, and he will become wicked. Requite affection with scorn. Let one being selected for whatever cause as the refuse of his kind. Divide him, a social being, from society, and you impose upon him the irresistible obligations, malevolence, and selfishness. It is thus that, too often in society, those who are best qualified to be its benefactors and its ornaments are branded by some accident with scorn, and changed by neglect and solitude of heart into a scourge and a curse." Unquote. So, thematic consistency isn't the virtue here. I've beaten that drum. And I will again follow it up with a discussion of the virtues I think this novel does possess.